And what this book would potentially teach me or what it did teach me was exist in the future that you want. So for me, that future was, I don't want to think about it. And when I do think about it, not only do I uh, not want to have pain, but I want to have like love and joy. And I actually want, when I think about Megan, I want to truly genuinely hope for the best for her. And when, when she comes into my mind, I want to have like, man, I'm really rooting for her. So I sat in meditation, even though I didn't feel it at the time during this meditation, I put myself into that enough with enough repetition that I started to believe it. This is the Medicine Podcast. I am Mimi, mushroom queen, AHCC educator, and culinary nutrition expert. I am quite obsessed with providing the unique knowledge for those that want to prevent disease in their body, in their mind, and in their relationships. If that's you, then you are in the exact right place, my love. Let's go take the medicine. Hello, hello, my kings and queens out there listening. If you haven't been reminded today, let my voice sink into your ears now. You are divine. You are powerful. You are unique. You are more than enough. You are free and able to proactively create a life that you love. That is what today's episode is all about. Inviting you to consider what information and education are you choosing to allow yourself better opportunity for change in the direction that you're hoping for? Chase and I are constantly positioning ourselves for expansion, whether it be mentally, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, and the books we choose to read are a huge part of that. So we are diving under the red hat to bring you a discussion around some of our most impactful books to date. It's quality over quantity in this episode, and I don't know who needs to hear this, but even if historically maybe you haven't been a big reader or consider yourself a fast reader or whatever, I encourage you to listen today with an open mind, and I think you're going to find something that sparks your interest. I say go with it, dig into it, look it up, get the book. And when you're done listening, hit the little arrow button and send this episode to someone you love. Help us grow this ripple of expansive information. The world needs it so badly right now. And we are so grateful. Once again, you are choosing to spend part of your day with us. Okay, enjoy. Good morning, my love. Good morning. It's December morning. It is. It is lit up. I've got the tree just beaming behind me. I can yep. feel the warmth on my back. Christmas from the, tree. From the LED energy saving lights. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so perfect for um, our fight or flight response as they flicker. <laughs> yeah. Flicker and trigger our uh, brain to think that, you know, some emergency is happening right. all the time. So I know we left them on for probably 16 hours yesterday. Mm-hmm. in our house while we were working and then at night we're watching the flickering tv and then also the flickering lights it would be interesting to see like some sort of study to see done. how christmas magic actually overtakes the electromagnetic fields that are coming out of these lights yeah. such that they're not um you know bio negative for our uh body and our cells <laughs> the christmas is, magic is, yeah. is pretty scientifically proven that- that is the study that I was thinking of in my head. Wow, right. you, you got it spot Done on. Done by um, the University of the North Pole. <laughs> UNP. Right. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. I heard they like have a really good um, sledding team. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good. Yeah. Um, the sleds can fly. I heard. <laughs> There's this one guy, big big beard, yeah, savage. Yeah, he's supposed to go pro, I think. Yeah, that's the yeah. plan. Crazy. He has a lot of help, though, like eight right. helpers. Right. <laughs> okay, wow, we're wow. getting we're, deep. We're getting deep. The weirdness is coming out. You guys, are our Christmas, this is actually how we started. If you remember, if you recall correctly, last year, right around this time was when we started recording just for funsies. Um, like November, December timeframe. And so we were talking about Christmas a lot. And I feel like we're coming back home, you know, podcasting in the Christmas spirit. Mm. And they say to keep podcast episodes evergreen and not really talk about like Christmas or holidays or whatever, but we can't not. We can't not. It just explodes out from our eyeballs and hearts. Right. So this is a, it's not a Christmas episode. No. But we got Christmas going on in the world. I hope they... Every listener can feel the Christmas cheer and magic mm-hmm. in our words going into their ear holes. They will. They yeah. do. <laughs> oh my gosh. What do you got in your cup over there in your Christmas cup? I have such a classic uh, today and I've spoken to this one many times before, but it is so good. So if you haven't tried it, you are actually insane. It is a superfood mocha with key on espresso coffee so i got a, a couple shots of espresso in there with a little bit of hot water kind of like an americano using key on coffee and then i have actually put organifi chocolate gold mm. in this coffee to make it mocha and i even put a little bit of the new organifi product called organifi harmony mm. in here as well which is similarly a chocolatey cocoa mm-hmm. type so you um, did a little of both a little of both and harmony i did um, harmony is essentially you know marketed towards females and uh you know supplementing during their cycle uh, or at least to help balance um, them during their you know monthly mm-hmm. cycle but you know what it's pretty delicious. Yeah. And I know what the ingredients are in it, including something like nettle root, which is very beneficial for men and their hormones as well. Mm-hmm. So I'm really not too worried about putting a marketed female product in yeah. my, my hot chocolate here. There's nothing in there that's like that men can't have, even though it's its target audience would be women. Right. And, and Organifi Harmony's intention is for like regulatory purposes when it comes to hormones Mm -hmm. which oftentimes supports women especially but that being said you know men have estrogen men have progesterone and those need to be similarly regulated in their bodies so wait men have estrogen they do wow yeah this is news to me yeah of course they do no i'm just joking i was like where (laughs) what um yeah so i think that that's a misconception though that women are estrogen men are testosterone and right but we have both. We do. Just different ratios. You should have both. Yeah. So I got, I got a hormone mocha going on. Hormone mocha. What about you? What do you got going on in your cup? In my unicorn cup today. Well, I already had my first cup of King coffee. And I actually this morning had um, a couple of our uh, herbal friend blends from Lost Empire Herbs. Um, I did the Athena blend, 
which is a blend of seven different Chinese and Ayurvedic herbs to help support women um, at any age um, with hormone, with um, just feeling better, feeling good. And uh, so I put a little bit of that in there. It tastes like Christmas. It's very like Mm. spiced. And it blends really well with, just so you all know, with Organifi Pumpkin Spice. So I put those two in there. And then I also used from Lost Empire Herbs, um, a little bit of the pearl powder. Mm. I've been using each of these a couple times a week. And the pearl powder is meant, it's more of like a beauty tonic, um, aesthetic tonic for me. Um, It does have uh, a lot of minerals. It's a complete protein. Um, But legend has it that... The uh, the great empress Zeus no Zeus no the great <laughs> empress I thought Zeus was a dude uh, no her her name was like um, Athena no <laughs> it's something Zaytan it's mm. like with a Z it's like okay. Wu Zaytan and she started she became empress at sixty five years old and her mm. beauty was like unmatched and it was legendary. She was the only empress for like uh four thousand years in four thousand years and her beauty was just like known throughout mm. the kingdom and her secret, legend has it, was pearl powder internally and externally. Wow. So it helps um, height, keep the skin hydrated, helps keep it from aging poorly, you know, with like spots and lines and everything. And um, it actually helps decrease the production of melanin, which is what uh, those little age spots, yeah. that's what happens is it's an increase of melanin. So it helps kind of block that. So it's a more like even and um, beautified yeah, skin tone. Yeah, I should use that. I got some you know, little sunspots that pop up on my head every now and then after a long summer in San Diego of just getting beat on by that (laughs) sun. Uh, Man, I might have to hit up some pearl powder. Yeah. Mm. I don't think it's just for women either. No. So, you know, you got to keep, you got to keep the the moneymaker looking fresh. Oh, absolutely. But there are, there are beautiful um, medicinal benefits as well to pearl powder. But if I'm being honest with you, Ernie, um, (laughs) it's more... (laughs) It's for me, I have so many things in my life that uh, give me medicinal properties and benefits and everything like that. And so throwing in something here and there that's meant for just external aesthetic beauty, yeah. like pff, I'm going to do it. Oh, absolutely. You got, you got to get the car serviced, but you got to wash the car too. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good. But currently that was a very long what's in your cup, but currently that was my cup. Uh, earlier, my cup now is Organifi, a mixture of pure and immunity. Mm. And so it's kind of pure has a kind of like lemony flavor. Immunity has an orange type flavor. So it's kind of this citrusy um, tea that I'm having mm. warm. And it also has lion's mane and uh, reishi, beta glucans in it. Um, apple cider vinegar, digestive enzymes. It's really, really wonderful for the gut and the brain first thing in the morning. I love that mixture. Big shout out to Organifi. Yes. Big shout out to Keon for my coffee. And another big shout out, much love to Lost Empire Herbs. Yes. We got discounts with all of them and um, they literally are such an integral part of our lives and our biology and our cups and our cups. So yeah, you guys can check the show notes for all those discount codes. Um, before we jump into 
our episode today, which I'm actually really excited about. This is different than anything we've done before. I want to read a, a medicine podcast review that came in on Apple Podcasts mm. that made me laugh, and I wanted to share it with you and all you gentle listeners out there listening. Let's go. You ready for it? Um, this is from, I think her name is Nikki. They make you use like a weird kind of username on Apple Podcasts, so I can't really tell what her name is, but I think it's Nikki. And uh, she titled it, My New Favorite Couple. She says, The knowledge Mimi and Chase share on every podcast episode is just mind-blowing to say the least. I knew I stumbled upon the right podcast when I heard Chase compare mushrooms to penises. (laughs) Highly, highly recommend. (laughs) That's awesome. Um, Thank you so much, Nikki, that uh, I'm blushing and laughing at the same time. (laughs) When did you talk about mushrooms compared to penises? I don't remember. I I mean, many times probably. but I don't remember. I don't remember which episode. Um, You know, certain mushrooms can definitely look phallic. Yeah, very penis-y. Yeah. And there's actually one called Penis Envy. Right. It's it's, um, It's one of the most psychedelic. Yeah. And it's literally called Penis Envy. And if you guys Google it, you'll see why. Right. (laughs) I think it was named by a man, though, not a woman. Probably. Sounds about right. Yeah. Well, what are we jumping into today? Uh, A little bit of a book club of sorts. Uh A little bit of a book refresher for both of us. uh, But then just some general sharing of the goodness of a few different books that have come across our yeah. life in the last couple of years. Um, this, there, there's so many that I could put on this list. Um, but I really wanted to share us to share, you know, we were talking recently about, um, books that have impacted us and we we're like, Hey, that would be a good episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I firmly, I mean, anyone who has listened to more than one episode of this podcast knows that you and I both are basically obsessed with, some level of self-development all the time and that can definitely like go too far and get out of hand but one thing that I think really helps to um to keep that going in my life personally is reading books whether that's a physical book or an audio book and yes I listen to a ton of podcasts and that's probably what I listen to most and what I'm you what I'm um, what I'm consuming for information most because they're so convenient you can pop through in 45 minutes or an hour, but books are still necessary, and um, I kind of want to encourage people if you think that like oh I'm not really a reader or I read slow or books haven't really interested me or whatever, I would encourage you I would invite you to discard that thought and just um, kind of listen today with an open mind and um, and just see if one of these books sparks your interest and find the medium that works for you, whether that's physical books, reading, you know, uh, five minutes before dinner or in the morning, you know, coffee time, or whether that's listening to an audiobook while you work out. There's something I think for everyone and um, I, I just really, I want to impress like that um, books are so important for our continued growth as humans. Yeah. I would go even further and say that reading books physically 
whether that be through like a Kindle or through, you know, an actual old school physical book is ever more important and necessary if you are interested in maintaining or building muscle for like patience and presence and um, being able to do things without distraction or, or having to have distraction. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'll clarify a little bit, but I mean, we live in such a world of stimulus Mm -hmm. and our attention spans are so short because we're always given another opportunity to be stimulated, whether that be through social media, whether that be through your phone pinging your, um, someone, you know, hitting you up on a social media or a text message or a phone call or, you know, your Amazon echo or your Alexa or whatever these things are that are in your house that are just like literally always there to entertain you. It's this muscle that we've had, which is like patience and the ability to sustain longer periods of time of learning and attention is like really going out the window. I've seen it in my own life where I sit down and try to read even an article or um, read something on even Instagram that's longer form, and I'll be yeah. like, "Oh my god, this is too long." Yeah, you can't and take I'll it. I'll keep can't scrolling, which is insane. Yeah. So this is this is a reminder to me, someone who listens to a ton of podcasts on two x, who listens to Amazon audiobooks at three x, to sit and 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 I'm obsessed with almost like getting through it and saying that I've read it. Yeah, the achievement. The achievement, which is insane, um, that I've really enjoyed taking and always having one book whether I'm reading one page a day or, you know, a chapter a day, just having that practice of like dedicating a moment to strictly focus on one yeah. thing, you can get a nugget out of one page of a good book Yep. and that's all you need. Then you have like 24 hours to meditate on it and kind of like let it digest in your body and, and really have takeaways. When you listen to something like three X speed, it's almost like building your database of knowledge, but I would say it's harder to, transition that knowledge into wisdom Mm -hmm. if you rip through it that quickly and i'm speaking to myself here because like 75 to 80 percent of the content that i consume is during while i multitask while i exercise while i work or it's on like 3x speed that i'm trying to rip through as quickly as possible so i'm speaking to myself but i'm also encouraging everybody yo pick up a physical book it's kind of fun too it's kind of like you hit that nostalgic like by the fire by the christmas tree Mm -hmm. reading vibe and even if it only lasts 15 or 20 minutes, it is therapeutic. Can you share what your current, because it, it's fluctuated for both of us. It's kind of cycled and fluctuated what our like routine is, but can you just give a quick, like what you do now? Like what is your little reading routine? Um, I don't, it's not even a routine. It's when I have a minute, I, and it's usually, it's right now it's at least once a day, I'm getting either five to 45 minutes of reading in. It can be a little bit before dinner, maybe a little bit after dinner. Um, early in the morning, uh, for instance, like if I, if I can rip through some of my work quickly, I have about 10 minutes before I actually need to get onto something else that I'll read. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not a strict protocol, uh, but it is currently, uh, reflections on the course in miracles by Marian Williamson, which is just really great. I'm about halfway through it. Um, and it's, like I said, it can be anywhere from two pages to 20, and sometimes those two pages that I just spent 10 minutes on, because that's all I had during the day, are actually pretty transformative. Mm. Yeah. But no no real routine, no real like protocol like it would be an exercise <clears throat> type of thing. It's really more like intuitive. Mm. And, and what, I'm, what am I feeling and yeah. where? That's cool. Yeah. What about you? Well, 
I've talked about it before as part of my morning routine, but um, for probably like three years now, three or four years now, I've made it a point, not even just like, oh, I should do this, but I actually really, really enjoy it. In the days that I don't get to do it, I feel like something is missing in my day. And that's in the morning I get up, you know, 5.30, 5.45, whenever you grace my body with your your, uh, waking up and I make my King coffee, I get my liquids and I sit down and I read for sometimes 30 minutes, sometimes an hour. Again, I'm, I'm like you going by feel. If I feel like, you know what, I don't want to, I don't want to stop yet. Um, I keep going, but it's usually some sort of spiritual development book um, anything from, I'm going to talk about one today, but, um, Matthew Fox, original blessing, um, talking, uh, let's see, Rudolf Steiner was one that I read recently. He's like a German philosopher. So it's things to really challenge my brain. Um, if these books were workouts, they would be slow compound heavy lifts. Mm. And it's not a hit. It's not a hit routine. It's not a high intensity exercise. Sometimes I only get through two pages because I'm underlining, I'm reflecting, I'm writing down my own thoughts and my own words. So it's an interactive experience with my reading. I'm um, taking in uh, what resonates with me, but then I'm also writing in my journal. Sometimes I just copy exactly what's in the book into my journal. So it cements even further in me. I'm underlining in the book and then sometimes you know, we're sitting at dinner and I want to share with you, hey, I want to share with you what I read or what I wrote down or oh, what, all the I, time. what uh, I reflected on. I would say on. this is such a, if I had to advise on relationships, this is such a cool, you know, practice to have to foster and nurture healthy communication between yeah. your relationship. Uh, instead of talking about like the fucking news, yeah. how about we talk about breakthroughs we're having in these, these mm-hmm. books we're consuming, which is a lot more positive than, right. <laughs> than potentially just like, basing your conversation as a couple on like the current world. Yeah. Which is really easy to do right now. Yeah. There's always something. And so, yeah, I totally agree. I I really love those moments at, at dinner where you're, you're still eating and munching and I'm like just sharing with you these revelations and reflections um, and thoughts that I'm having. And it really sparks a lot of um, really cool conversation between mm-hmm. us and new thoughts that we've never thought before. And I feel like I've read the book. Sometimes it triggers me to want to read the book independently. Um, but it also actually, I think, layers in the learning and the understanding for you to mm-hmm. be able to regurgitate it and speak yes. it to me. Because I know it does for me as well. Yeah. That is something that is absolutely true about me is is if I want to really know the thing, I have to absorb it like I am going to teach it to someone and then do that. When I can teach it to you or anyone, um, it, you know, cements even further into my my DNA, my genome. So it's essentially what we're going to do here is, uh, you know, bring you in on our little like dinner table discussions about what we're reading. Um, For me, it's just I got a couple books. One that was really awesome and transformative for me. And then, like I mentioned, the one that I'm reading, just a few nuggets to share. Uh, and hopefully, either you can have takeaways from what we're sharing and or get inspired to read it yourself. Either way, I think it's beneficial. Yeah. Um, I don't think there's a ton of spoiler alerts because these aren't like climactic, like hero's journey type novels. Um, rather, they're just really great kind of like self or spiritual development type books. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah. yeah. 
What do you got? Why don't you take me through what you are currently reading? Uh, one of them is I'm currently reading. I'm gonna gotcha. I'm gonna save that one. This one, when I when I was thinking about which books I wanted to share, I basically gave myself the prompt: which ones have been most impactful on me, and which ones, um, even if I read them years ago, do I still practice and do I still use in my daily life today. And that is definitely the first one. The first one, the first book I'm going to talk about is called The Queen's Code by Alison Armstrong. And this is really like a relationship development book told in the form of a novel. So The Queen's Code creates a new ethic and new approach for women to interact with men in a way that honors both sexes. So inside the story, she you're looking at eight distinct different points of view of different characters within the book. So it reads like a story, like a novel, but it's really teaching you. And so it's less of like a page turner. Oh my gosh, what's going to happen next? And more of one that you really want to like think about and take in and absorb. So you get a really intimate look inside the hearts and minds of both men and women as these people kind of struggle to understand each other in the book. And so <laughs> we've basi- we've all seen those sitcoms, you know, those shows where, or maybe even couples, people that we know personally right now, where the man is depicted as this kind of oaf, kind of big mm-hmm. kid type guy that is absent-minded. Maybe they show him as like unintelligent, unattentive, uh, you know, waiting for his emasculating mom-like wife like, like to instruct everybody him. Everybody loves Raymond. Like basically, yeah, according to Jim. According to Jim, and no, these, those are the ones that we grew up with. Yeah, right. There's probably more. We don't watch TV now, but certainly we've seen those rom-coms and those TV shows where it's like the guy just waits for the woman to tell him what to do, and then she rewards him by maybe not emasculating him and maybe maybe having sex with him as like her wife duty, right? Right. And it's this really weird dynamic that they show all of the time. And I think that it's actually really, I know that it's really common. I think that's why it's funny for a lot of people is because it hits home. It's like, oh yeah, I know that dynamic. But really anyone who's single looking at that would be like, uh, I do not want that. Like that's not, that's not attractive. Right. At least uh, I don't think anyone would. So The Queen's Code is a book that supports the exact opposite kind of relationship as that. Um, Basically, the main character protagonist in the story, Kimberly, is frustrated in her relationships and witnessing her close friends in their dysfunctional relationships and really takes a step and decides to learn directly from her own grandmother, who has this beautiful storybook relationship with her grandpa with with her husband who is Kimberly's grandpa and they've been married for like 50 years they interact like teenagers you know he's rubbing her feet on the couch and looking at her like she is the most beautiful angel with her wrinkly little face at 85 years old he, he she's this beautiful angel to him and the way that they interact is so wonderful and beautiful And I've seen relationships like that, so I know that it's not just storybook. I know that it's actually possible. And so this book takes you through that. And so the grandmother is teaching her granddaughter 
how did this even happen? How did you do this? Like, how did you foster this type of relationship? Because it's so rare. So she basically teaches her own granddaughter through an oral tradition called the Queen's Code. And it's, it's just fascinating. Again, it's a, it's a self-development teacher type person, Alison Armstrong, that's teaching us. And so it's, it, there are like some corny little bits and pieces where you're like, that wouldn't happen. But she's, it's to make a point. It's not to be a novel. And um, so some, you know, when I was thinking about how did this impact me and how does it still help me today? Um, I read this when we were, when you and I were separated and or divorced, and it really helped me understand how men think differently than women. And it it shows you that you need to take responsibility for your words and actions within your relationship. Um, it encouraged me that productive, healthy communication is something that can be learned and should be learned. It's not something that's innate in relationship. Just because you get together and your love is pure doesn't mean that you're going to have healthy relationship throughout the totality of your your right. marriage or relationship. And you don't have to be married to do this. It's any relationship. It's even just if you're casually dating and you want to foster, you want to start building that foundation of healthy communication between mm-hmm. men and women because we are not the same. We are equal as souls, but we are not the same in the way that we think, act, you know, what we feel. We're not motivated by the same things. And that's okay. That's what creates beautiful polarity and that sexual polarity that we all love when we experience it. You need that. You need that polarity. So this book really shows you how to foster that in your relationship and how to build really healthy um, habits. So one thing that, um, I, you know, when I was reading this, I took notes because I, it was so fascinating to me. I took notes in my phone as I was reading. Mm. I was um, reading it on my Kindle and then I would go over and like copy things down and I still have the note today. So I, I touched back on it and this was oh, like wow. three and a half years ago. Mm. So I just wrote down a couple things that I want to leave people with. Um, I don't want to spoil it, but um, one thing that really caught me today again was This is what I wrote down. You've got to catch yourself from thinking the misconception that men are misbehaving women. They are not. They do not think like us nor feel like us. They are not motivated motivated by the same things. There is no alternative. Men and women are going to both be powerful or both be weak. That's how it works. Mm. And this hit me because so many times... In part one, I would think back as I was reading this book and I would think of times where I specifically thought in my head about our interaction, like Chase should just know that I want him to do this or Chase should just know that I, you know, don't like it when he says this or does this or does it this way or whatever. Like there's almost this like invisible unknown test that some women put men through and we think, and I'm guilty of this, I'm admitting it, he should just know. And what I just said, that quote that I just said is proof that it, he shouldn't just know because he doesn't think like you. Um, so the other thing that really, really stuck with me from this book that I still think about to this day and I'm like revealing some of my secrets to you. Wow, <laughs> I love this. We're doing it live. <laughs> We're doing it live. One of the lines that stuck with me is, 
be his queen, not his mother. Hello. We're going to talk about everybody's favorite topic, acne. (laughs) It's actually become one of the things that I really enjoy talking about, believe it or not, because I've found products that actually work. Uh, After two years of battling cystic acne when my hormones were in the tank, then another year on top of that to figure out how to get rid of my scars, I finally feel really, really good about the products that I'm using now. Something that I think that people don't realize about the journey of healing acne is that it's not only a physical journey, it's actually a mental battle too. I remember the days where I would just stare at my skin in the mirror and cry, feeling like I was doing all of the right things. And still every day, a new blemish or a new scar would show up. Uh, Fast forward to now, I get compliments on my skin looking beautiful all the time. And trust me, I never thought I would hear that again. Okay, so what am I using? Great question. I use the anti-acne and anti-aging skincare line called Clear Stem Skincare. Their main goal is to provide us with products that actually work and have zero hormone disruptors. Okay, here's a spoiler. Some of the most expensive skincare lines still have hormone disruptors. They still have ingredients that could be perpetuating your acne problem. The ingredient list is really, really, really important. And that's Clearstem's like commandment number one, making sure that all of their products have only anti-inflammatory, brightening, antioxidant, and healing ingredients. Personally, I use the daily exfoliating vitamin scrub every morning in the shower. Then when I get out, I use the Clarity Serum. And you wanna wait at least 15 minutes after this serum because it's balancing the pH of your face, which is really important for healing. Then after those 15 minutes, I follow up with their signature Cell Renew Serum, which is made for repairing damaged skin, like acne scars or hyperpigmentation. Plus, the Cell Renew has reishi mushroom extract in it, so obviously I'm obsessed. If you want to get your hands on this gold, just go to clearstemskincare.com and use the code MIMIFIT at checkout. That's clearstemskincare.com, then M-I-M-I-F-I-T for a hefty discount. I know you and your face are going to absolutely love this stuff. Cheers, boo. Hmm. And that's, that's a beautiful line, but it's also easier than it sounds because I think so many times men are conditioned to want their mother Mm -hmm. in their relationship. Yeah. And they're not aware of the fact that it will, your well being as a man will better be served if you treat your partner like a queen and she treats you like a king Mm -hmm. versus treating her or having an expectation that she should be your mother and or treating her or having her treat you like a son. Right. That does not, I mean, maybe some people can have this dynamic and it works for them and they love it. Great. Cool. You do you. I think most couples want that, that, uh, dynamic of, I, I don't have to like, I don't have to mother you and I don't have to like babysit you. 
So that is not, it's not on the man. It's not because he's not coming through. Maybe some of it, yes, but also you're crippling him. You're emasculating him when you talk down to him, when you, um, you know, like nag, like that word nag, when you like, oh, I told you to do this. Why didn't you do that? Mm-hmm. Versus like, hey, this would really, really be helpful um, if you could help me with this. You know, it would really give me confidence in la 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 la, fill yeah. in the blank. I, I would say it's, it's, it's emasculating as well to um, not allow or bring in your masculine or male partner for collaboration and simple things like that, that are very gender role from where we come from, kind of like gender role specific, like, oh, the, the, the female does the shopping for groceries or, mm-hmm. and the man kind of like works and potentially does some yard work or something like those gender roles. I, I think, sure. If they're, if you naturally fall into those grooves and that's how your collaborative relationship works, great. But at the same time, it's, I think it's important to be able to share those responsibilities at least a fraction of the time so that there's empathy so that Mm -hmm. there is empower empowering like dynamics between the two of you yeah Um, because it can not serve um despite what it looks like on paper like oh hey i'm gonna get all the groceries for you cook you dinner um it may not serve the greater good of the relationship yeah if you don't allow or even encourage collaborative efforts in those types of things like crossing what would be traditional gender roles Mm -hmm. and uh, showing showing some reversal in that area yeah the other thing the last thing that i want to say you know to the point of kind of echoing myself on the the topic of like nagging when you like oh he always leaves his dirty socks on the floor and you you know bug him nag him to to pick them up and maybe he does maybe he does leave it maybe it is annoying to you but when you demand something as a woman, you remove the possibility for it to be a gift. Mm. So when you demand from your man that he do this in this way, this, the, 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 it's never going to feel like a gift and a gift, no matter how big or small, always feels better than something that you're taking from someone. So yeah, going to mm. leave that so perfectly put leave it on a little, little cliffhanger. And so, you know, if you're, if any of this struck you, you know, thinking about who should read this book, in my opinion, having read it, if you want to have more healthy tools for communication in your relationship, definitely. If you are single and dating, um, or single and or dating and frustrated by the same types of men that you're attracting into your field, (laughs) definitely read this. If you have ever seen an older couple with that teenage type love and thought, damn, I want that. Mm. Definitely check out Queen's Code by Alison Armstrong. And all of the books we talk about today will be linked in the show notes so you can find them easily. Yeah. And I would say just, you know, literally having the test case where we were married and had so many of these uh, communication dynamics like you were mentioning that are, and, and again, it's like so much of the, is conditioning, like where we come from, what yeah. we're consuming from general television and media, as well as what's modeled in kind of like suburban America in the nineties right. and two thousands, which was this. And on movies and TV. Exactly. And it's not that our, we had beautiful upbringings and we love our parents, but like some of those yeah. um, 
interactions are so true to what we not only saw on in media and television, but also like in our families. And we're like, damn, okay, I guess that's, a, that's what you do as a wife. That's what you do as a husband. Yeah. And, uh, you know, part one of our relationship when we were married, very much the case in, in a lot of circumstances. And I can see that, you know, this book having been not only just read and consumed, but put into practice. Um, I mean, you're, you're a completely different uh, relationship compliment to me now. Uh, and so many of the things that you're mentioning here from this book, you've actually applied and probably evolved even beyond what the book's um, suggesting or, mm-hmm. or showing you can do. So um, the proof is in the pudding and you are the pudding. <laughs> Thanks. Actually, going back through it, I'm like, I want to read this again. It's so good. Mm. What about you? What impactful book did you uh, did you put on your list, babe? So I put on my list um, a book by Dr. Joe Dispenza. Mm-hmm. Uh, the book is he, he has a has a host of different books, host of different meditations. You look this guy up, and you're going to see a million different things. Um, I believe this is his second or third book. It's called Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself. Mm. And if you, I don't know if you know anything about. Joda Spenza, uh, wonderful listeners. Um, but if you did a quick Google search, you'd probably get a whole host of different things, um, depending on the outlet that you're getting this from. But it could be anything from, you know, modern day miracle worker all the way to modern day con man traveling magic snake potion show. Um, and there's probably a little bit of truth in all that. I'm a skeptic by nature. And I've, I've heard and, and read and listened to a lot of Joda Spenza. I personally think that he has a really, really interesting uh, story and message. It's it's worked for me. Um, at the same time, like, sure, there's some marketing and some sales that are involved. Um, so t- I, I do take some of his stuff with a little bit of grain of salt. That being said, like, there's some real truth to um, some of the things that he preaches. And even his own story, I, I do believe. So a little bit of context is... He's a chiropractor and his uh, story was that he got in a very traumatic, like I think it was like a exercise biking type accident that um, he was basically ruled to be paralyzed for the rest of his life through his understanding of chiropractic work and energy and um, the connection between kind of like your mind and and, uh, your body. He put into practice uh, with various concentration, meditations, you know, understanding how this, uh, you know, genetics and epigenetics uh, work, this like healing protocol for um, what the doctors told him couldn't be done and ultimately healed himself back to being able to fully function, walk, etc. He put that then into his own practice by healing people all the, from any any issue ranging from depression, anxiety, addiction, all the way to physical injuries, uh, cancer, you know, diseases to essentially quote unquote healing yourself with your mind. And so he put that into a couple different books. One of them being, I think, um, I think I can't remember if it was his first book, but it was like the, but there was a documentary around it as well called like the placebo effect. And it's essentially explaining why there is this thing called the placebo effect and why it does actually work. And as most of you listeners probably know, there is this element of like, the mind has the ability if it thinks it's healing itself to actually heal itself to some degree or some capacity. It's kind of like the, this placebo effect. You can take sugar pills mm-hmm. and if you trick yourself into thinking that those sugar pills are actually magic pills, yeah, 
um, or healing pills, your body will actually do the work for you. So this book, Breaking the Habit of Being Yourself, is a, a synopsis of how that essentially works with a script and a protocol, some science to back it up, and then some anecdotal stories of how you can actually train yourself to make changes in your life, smallest being negative thought patterns, most massive and largest potentially being like cancer or something. Mm -hmm. So again, like take a layer of skepticism through this, um, but there's some really, really great things that were very impactful for me in it. Um, I read this book at a time in my life that I was exhausted from who I was. And what was very, very evident in my life was that um, I was addicted to exercise and um, very compulsive eating habits, and I just couldn't, couldn't stop them. I was swimming in the bitterness of our divorce. I couldn't get through a week without having some like really, really negative thought about our relationship that impacted like literally every single thing that I did over the course of a day. Um, and I was exhausted. I'd, I'd left my former job, uh, at Deloitte. I've gone through that kind of story here on the podcast before and, and moved into Organifi and was introduced to Joe Dispenza and this book specifically. So what the book kind of entails in a, in a synopsis is listen, like trauma can hurt your brain, um, but also negative thinking. So you can have injuries or you can have like these negative thought patterns, um, that are constantly crushing your ability to progress in life or mm-hmm. heal in life and how that works is it's this, this thing called the default mode network we've talked about it before but it's the neurological pathways with which you process information and if you've had a traumatic experience or even if you haven't but you've been a subject to bad programming not unlike what you were talking about with how uh, the world models relationships mm-hmm you will hardwire a specific pattern in your brain to make decisions and actions in your life. Most of those are either programmed negatively or you've had a traumatic experience that hardwires this very negative traumatic stress response in your brain. So every time you approach something that is anything close to that experience or anything close to that bad programming, you follow the same neurological pathway in your brain to experience that entire thing in a in a stressful state, in a state of anxiety, in a Mm. state of trauma, and you become accustomed to that so much so that it's comfortable. Mm. And so you're experiencing all the way through your body this consistent pattern of stress, anxiety, fear, trauma, all because like that is literally the only way you know how to process information and experiences. So that's kind of explained scientifically. It's explained... Um, so it's, un- it's the, the stimulus itself is uncomfortable, but because you've done it so many times and it's a pattern, it's a habit in your brain and in your actual hard wiring yeah. that it feels almost good because it's known exactly. because it's familiar to the brain. Yeah. And that's, that's the idea of breaking the habit of being yourself. You're addicted to being yourself. And for me, I was addicted to, um, bitterness I was addicted to exhaustive exercise and nutritional habits. And so what this book did is it kind of explained that first. And I was like, holy shit. Uh, Wow, I'm addicted to being my negative uh, compulsive self. And then what it also did is explain some of the breakthroughs in these placebo effect type practices, um, changing the default mode network 
reshuffling the wiring of your brain, not unlike what you could potentially do with uh, like psychedelics or a near-death experience, a lot of times have these major shifts in people's lives. That's kind of like a major impact. Mm -hmm. Well, what Joe Dispenza is preaching is that you can actually do that through hard work, meditation, intention setting, and changing your thoughts and your feelings um, that affect the past and the future so that you can start behaving in a way that is completely different and and rewiring those neural pathways and that default mode network to be something positive. Um, You know, the idea would be that like people can literally change their brains and lives through regular brain healthy habits, like just correcting negative beliefs or dealing with past trauma. Um, you know, to speak on one of the quotes I think I, I pulled out was, you and I have been conditioned into believing that we need a reason for joy, a motivation to feel gratitude, grounds to be in a state of love that's relying on external reality to make us feel different, different internally. The new model of reality challenges us to change something within us, mm-hmm. in mind and body, in our thoughts and feelings, before we can experience the physical evidence with our senses. Can you give thanks and feel the elevated emotions associated with a desired event before it occurs? Can you imagine that reality completely that you begin to be in that future Mm -hmm. life now? So what that essentially is saying is with practice and for Joe Dispenza, that means a very specific kind of meditation and manifestation protocol, practice, routine, you can start to heal the past, retell the stories of your past that are painful or negative in a way that brings you gratitude, in a way that brings you light and happiness and start to experience that and feel that in your body. And then you can also start existing in the future that you want or the future that you desire such that it can, such that you literally imagine it and experience it, experience it in your entire body out of gratitude, joy, happiness. Mm. And you can start to rewire your brain. For me, what that looked like was quite literally, I would sit in Joe Dispenza meditations anywhere from 15 to 45 minutes a day and picture my physical body being uh, corrected. Um, you know, my posture was was pretty poor. I had certain pains over my body due to over-exercise. And so for me, I literally, you know, felt physically kind of this imaginary like posture that I so desired as well as retold myself um, the story of what exercise meant to be meant to me, that I loved it, that I had this great relationship with it, that I had moderation. I spoke these things aloud. And um, I'm not saying it was like this light bulb moment, but over time you start to get this um, new thought pattern, this new habit where it's like, yeah, I'm, I'm very moderate exerciser. Yeah, I, I, um, I have good posture. And those like affirmations, you start to forget about the kind of the negative talk. Um, Similarly, and probably even more impactful was with our relationship um, and the scars and the bitterness that I'd held for, you know, two years running at that point in time. I just was like, I'm over this. And what this book would potentially teach me or what it did teach me was exist in the future that you want. So for me, that future was, I don't want to think about it. And when I do think about it, not only am I, not only do I uh, not want to have pain, but I want to have like love and joy. And I actually want, when I think about Megan, I want to truly genuinely hope for the best for her. And when, when she comes into my mind, I want to have like, man, I'm really rooting for her. So I have sat in meditation and pictured 
pictured moments where I would go, you know, weeks at a time without thinking of our divorce, like pictured what that would be like and pictured almost like walking through an experience of being like, oh yeah, I'm divorced. Oh, wow. What a learning experience. I'm grateful for that. Even though I didn't feel it at the time during this yeah. meditation, I put myself into that enough with enough repetition that I started to believe it. Similarly, um, I started to genuinely hope the best for you. And I would say that out loud. Like, I love her. I hope she's doing well. I really am rooting for her. I really hope that whatever she's doing, she's healthy and she's successful. I would get, and I have specific moments of remembering this where I, bitterness would creep up into my head. And one of the, one of the exercises in the book that they suggest is like, anytime you start to feel those default mode network patterns happening, say out loud, do something that you can actually anchor um, to change or pivot. So I'd start to feel something negative about you or be reminded of something about our divorce. And I would say out loud, change. And like I did it multiple times. Um, tra- such a, that's transformative. Such a, that's such a cool exercise. Yeah. And there's a lot of cool, for me, it was, it was behavioral patterns and it was thought patterns, but there's also things for in this book for illnesses and, um, you know, kind of like prescribed depressions or anxieties. So it's, it's more serious or more physical as well. I'm not saying those that you're guaranteed to read this book and be able to heal your ailments or your cancer. There are stories in this book where that is the case. Um, but it's really interesting and it's pretty compelling. And if you walk into it with an open mind and a grain of salt, (laughs) uh, I think it's pretty fun. Yeah. I love that. I, also read this book. I listened to it. And I think if I read or listened to it now, I, it would be with, well, I know it would be with completely different ears um, because I read it and liked it. I didn't, I didn't adopt it into my life. I must not have been ready for it or something at that point in my life um, because I thought it was a fascinating book, but I love how you used it as a tool in your life for very specific, you know, like ailments, whether it was mental or physical or whatever. And uh, I love that you put it into practice and actually did it and it worked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Really and, cool. and call it woo-woo um, or call it scientific because I think certain people would look at this book and say one or the other or both. Um, and it could just be a matter of setting your mind and your intention on something that you're determined to work through or accomplish. Yeah. And it, you know, could be, could less have to do with Joe Dispenza's actual formula, pro- formula. Yeah. but, um, you know, it did work for me and, uh, pff, shit, I'm really, really grateful for it. Yeah. I mean, that's proof right there. It's not woo woo. If you yourself have done it, proved it to work. I mean, Mm-hmm. right maybe yeah. yeah i i i just love that and the mind is so powerful oh for sure we know that yeah yeah oh great one babe i gotta pee and then i cannot <laughs> wait to hear what you have to say about your next book <laughs> All right. hello if you've ever checked out the plethora of amazing organic superfood blends on the Organifi website and wondered, geez, where do I even start? Organifi has so many divine products, it can seem kind of overwhelming. I'm also very picky about which supplements and products I trade my dollars for, and I'm sure you are the same way. 
So I'm going to share a savings secret with you straight from the guide I created called How a Pro Uses Organifi. But first, when it comes to flavors, in my opinion, the best combination to start with is the Sunrise to Sunset Bundle. With this, you get the flagship green juice, the red juice packed with cordyceps mushrooms, and my favorite of all, the gold packed with reishi and turkey tail mushrooms. With this bundle, you reduce the cost per serving down to $1.98. Then, when you use my code MIMIFIT on top of it for another 15% off, it comes out to about $1.68 per serving. That is legit. And with the insane amount of organic, non-GMO, certified glyphosate-free medicinal mushrooms and superfoods that Organifi provides, that $1.68 price is pretty unbelievable. So you could make a gold mushroom coffee elixir for way less than walking into the standard coffee shop, or mix up a red or green juice for about 10 times less than you'd find at any organic juice bar. When it comes to supplements and superfoods, I'd much rather pay now with my dollars than pay later with my health. And Organifi makes that so easy for us. So again, to get this killer $1.68 per serving price, go to OrganifiShop.com and click on the bundles section. The sunrise to sunset will be waiting for you right at the top. And then remember to use the code MIMIFIT, M-I-M-I-F-I-T, which gets you another 15% off, my loves. Getting incredible medicinal mushrooms and superfoods doesn't have to be complicated and it doesn't have to be expensive. I got you. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. So much mocha. (sighs) Had to pee. Sorry for the interruption. Feel a little lighter? I feel light. I feel great. (laughs) We are sharing with you impactful books. Um, Not a ton. We're going quality over quantity here. Well, and I think this could be something that we could do uh, every now and then. Yeah, and a little totally. check-in because what what is really hard with books especially is when someone's like, what's your favorite book? Yeah. What's your top five books? It's hard because you read books at a specific point in your life that can be transformative and very impactful at that point. Right. But you look back on it and you're like... That was kind of an introduction book yes. to all this stuff that I'm really, really into now that are act- that's actually much more rich and, and deep. Mm-hmm. However, that book at that point in time for me was really impactful. So yeah. it's like good to share, but it's hard to say favorites. Yeah, totally. I And like my favorite is is um, Harry Potter book yeah. number six, you <laughs> yeah. know, it's like, but, but that's not really... Uh, what you guys want to hear on this podcast necessarily. Also, you all should read Harry Potter if you haven't already. Yeah. Side note. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I think uh, we were talking about this, uh, just you and I, saying like, I don't have a favorite book per se. I have like different categories of books, like, you know, relationship-wise, spirituality, business development, health. Like I probably have one that I is my go-to within each, but different categories and different, times in my life I'm going to speak to different different books that impacted mm-hmm. me um, but the next book that I'm going to share is one that I've talked about a little bit on here before and I actually interviewed the author 
Boom. On episode number 16. Uh, it's called The Mysteries of Jesus Teaching Unfolded with Aramaic expert Dr. Neil Douglas Klotz. That's the name of the podcast, not the name of the book. Um, and I highly suggest you listen to that episode if what I'm about to say sounds interesting to you. So the book is called Prayers of the Cosmos by Neil Douglas Klotz. And it's all about uh, Jesus being a UFO. <laughs> wow. Be, himself being a right. UFO, yeah. an un- unidentified right. flying object. He was object. an alien. He was a, he was a full-blown Martian. Yeah. Yep. Great, great synopsis <laughs> there. <laughs> no, that's not what it is. Um, so in this book, uh, Neil Douglas Klotz offers an Aramaic to English translation of the Lord's Prayer. So going back to Jesus's original words and thoughts. Jesus spoke, taught, and thought in Aramaic with Aramaic um, ideas and um, upbringing. And they're very, very, very different than Mm -hmm. our American Western view, words, ideas, pictures, like all of that. It's extremely different. So to to take the words, just the physical words themselves of like the Lord's prayer is what they use as their, as what he uses as his template in this book. He's taking one line of the the Lord's prayer, which if you grew up Christian, Catholic, any, any sort of religious experience when you were young, you probably have heard the Lord's prayer probably said at the end or beginning of church service, kind of monotonously, our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Um, And and no hate on the Lord's prayer. It's beautiful. The words have a depth to them. Yeah. I just, I never knew how, how rich those the words actually the meaning behind jesus's words actually were until i read this book i never really had any connection to the lord's prayer at all i was just like oh it's just like saying the pledge of allegiance and what we've learned about aramaic and um i hope i'm not stealing your thunder here but it is this hybrid when you hear it and the way the way that it's described and how it was used it's this hybrid between speak um, song mm-hmm. and almost like a meditative mantra. Yes. And so to hear hear it is one experience. To speak it is another experience. To read it is another experience. Yeah. So even if you're reading the text, that is completely different. It'd be like reading the lyrics to a song versus being like reading <clears throat> Adele's lyrics. Yeah. Is like what we're doing in the Bible. Right. Versus listening to Adele, which is like a heightened experience versus Mm -hmm. if you speak it, it's like having the ability to freaking blast it like Adele, (laughs) which would be just an incredible full body, probably metaphysical experience. Oh, absolutely. 100%. As I was reading and memorizing as I went, like I'm from the very beginning of reading, you know, this book, I was like told myself. I'm going to memorize the Lord's Prayer in Aramaic because I want to be able to to connect in this way uh, meditatively or spiritually with Jesus or, or Christ consciousness with source, whatever, at any point in time. And I use this now as a way to calm myself down, 
Um, if I'm in like, if I'm a nervous, if I'm nervous for something or if I'm just kind of like anxious for anything, I close my eyes and I recite the Lord's prayer in Aramaic. And it is, it's very powerful because like you were saying, it's got these words have a certain resonance, a frequency, a vibration in your body. And knowing that like these were the words that literally Jesus spoke when he was telling his disciples, you know, they asked him, how are we supposed to pray? Like teach us to pray. And so this, this Lord's prayer is um, basically a blueprint on how to interact with yourself, with God, with the earth and with others. And I never knew that. Mm. I never knew it was like a short playbook of, you know, a perfect description of how Jesus, his example of interacting in the world and why he is, if you believe this, and I do, he is this perfect example of how to live your life and how to treat others, how to treat yourself, how to treat the earth, how to treat God. And um, so, yes, I, I highly recommend if you read this book, push yourself. And there are there are videos online that I that I listened to and read uh, or, or watched to get the correct pronunciation down in Aramaic because if you read this with an English mouth, it's going to feel and sound mm-hmm. different than really how the words are intended. The, you know, like, is there. Like this Aramaic has these very specific uh, vibrations, vibrations in the yeah. body. Just for an example, the, the the word H, when you see it on paper, has four different levels of the the strength of how hard you or 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 like it's really like and it means something different so you have to get that down to really get the the right frequency and vibration down in the body so guys when she speaks the lord's (laughs) prayer in aramaic it is something to behold it is beautiful (laughs) do you want me to do it yeah (laughs) okay i have to close my eyes Awund washmea nithkadesh shmach tethe malkuthak nehwe sewianach aikana doshmea ap bara khaulan lachma sun kanan yamana wash woklan haubain ekanadap khanan shwakan lahaiwain la ta'alan lunisiona elapatsamin bisha mithol de lachi malkutha khaila de spokta la alamalmin amen mm Mm. <laughs> Woo. getting hot up in here it is that is beautiful thanks yeah mm. i love it and i love how it makes me immediately connected with source um so you know how it impacted me i've shared a lot already um it's something that i use regularly uh as a meditative practice um i've read it now probably three or four times um and i remember after reading this i remember thinking I've grown up in the church. I've I've learned about Jesus my entire life. Why did no one talk about the fact that he didn't think like we did? He didn't speak English. He spoke in a completely different way and language. Why was that never brought up? It wasn't Greek. It wasn't Hebrew. It was Aramaic. And I I just am I, I'm like kind of dumbfounded of why why that was never like brought up. And no hate on my education. It's just a fact. It's just me looking back and being like, huh, because I wish Jesus I would have known this. Because Jesus would teach 
to find the answers within yourself, that the kingdom of heaven is within you, yes. that you are divine and that you have the ability to heal. You have the ability to pursue. <clears throat> you have the ability to love and lift the collective. That is not something that authority wants individual people to understand. So yeah. as soon as Jesus physically leaves this earth, his cult-like following is something of potential power and manipulation for others to just slip in. And I would argue that governments and religions of all sorts identify these great leaders like Jesus and quickly manipulate and turn it into something for control and yeah. power, even though the actual words when studied suggest com something completely different, not compliance. Yeah. And just to give you guys an example, <clears throat> excuse me. Wow. <clears throat> that uh, immunity impure is just gunking up my throat. Um, I wanted to just read just one, one or two lines of what I mean when he translates it back to Aramaic and then gives it to us in English uh, in those Aramaic, rich, deep thoughts in those concepts. So just the first two lines, which is our father who art in heaven or which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Neil Douglas Klotz gives uh, like seven or eight different renditions of what that line could mean. It's not a perfect translation word for word. It's ideas, it's concepts, it's feelings within the body that this is supposed to elicit. So instead of our father, which art in heaven, one of the renditions is respiration of all the worlds. We hear you breathing in and out in silence or radiant one. You shine within us, outside us, even in darkness, you shine when we remember. Mm. And, you know, the next line, hallowed be thy name. What does that even mean? Like, ho like holy is thy name, right? Instead of that, it's help us breathe one holy breath feeling only you this creates a shrine inside us in wholeness mm. how, do, how how different does that feel in the body than just you know like a, a monotonous chant right um, another one on hallowed be thy name is focus your light within us make it useful as the rays of a beacon show the way mm. god that's rich yeah and so that it, it goes through the lord's prayer and the beatitudes um, you know, the, the, the Beatitudes are, are, you know, very, I guess, famous teachings of Jesus. Um, and it talks about like, uh, blessed are the peaceful, blessed are the peacemakers, blessed are the, the poor in spirit and mm. so on and so forth. So what do those actually mean? Like, are we supposed to be poor, poor in spirit? Like, what is that? I never knew what these meant. And so going through those was really helpful too, to see like, oh, this is actually what Jesus, Jesus meant. Oh my gosh. And not only like, oh, I'm learning something new, but it's almost like you're remembering. It's almost like when you read these words, it's like. It's imprinted on your spiritual DNA. Yeah. Like this, this stuff is so true to you because it exists inside of you. And all that Jesus has ever been trying to say is look inward. Yeah. Don't look to the sky. Don't look to a false prophet in a white cloak. Yeah. The power of heaven, the divinity is within you. Yeah. Um, we call it the Holy Spirit. To die of this flesh and this illusion of this physical world is the crucifixion. Mm -hmm. 
and the Christ is that literal rebirth. Yeah. That's something that obviously took a long time to figure out. But once you do, for me, I'm able to have this like beautiful relationship with the Jesus character um, because of it. And it's books like Prayers of the Cosmos and your um, interpretation and embodiment of the practices of Jesus and the, the preachings of Jesus that is, to me has been like, wow, I can actually come back to this thing mm-hmm. and find a lot of things that I love about it. Yeah, totally. So who should read it? Um, if you grew up Christian or Catholic or some, some sort of, you know, like, like in religion and you find yourself now as an adult, which so many of us do. And so many people have come to me and said this, you know, thinking about what do I actually believe? Not what did the church teach me? What did my parents program into me? Program sounds like a negative word, but it it can be positive as well. Mm -hmm. But what did my parents teach me versus now as a 30 year old, what do I actually believe because I believe it because it resonates within my being and my spiritual genome, not what did I memorize as a six-year-old in Sunday school? Um, so it's really allowing you to take responsibility for your own spiritual beliefs. If that's something you're interested in, or you've been trying to figure out where do I even start, start with prayers of the cosmos. And You know, if you enjoy studying Jesus's words and teachings and want to connect with him on a deeper level, definitely recommend. If you want to feel your spiritual beliefs in your body rather than just kind of memorizing with your mind and your brain, this book is definitely for you. For sure. Yeah. It's super small too. So it's like really fun to have around. But it does, for me, take, it takes a while to read because Mm -hmm. I chew on it like, a Charleston Jew. <laughs> I tried to think of something really chewy. Um, yeah. Wonderful, wonderful book. And we've gifted it to so many people. Mm-hmm. Every person that I've gifted it to personally, they've all been women so far, um, has come back to me and been like, holy shit. <laughs> I cannot believe like I'm in, I'm in tears. I'm crying. I can't believe what I've not known this yeah. far in life another, and another great recommendation from our homie paul check yes he's a he's a bucket list guest on this podcast yeah absolutely oh my god he's a um, wizard yeah I, I heard about it paul check uh is is a great uh spiritual wizard and he was you were listening to a podcast of his in the morning when i was waking up and i heard him reference prayers of the cosmos as taking uh, translating jesus's words back to aramaic and understanding them in a new way and i was mm-hmm. like oh uh, excuse me. And I was at the point where I was going through the Bible and studying Jesus's words, word by word. And I was like, this sounds like a great resource for me. So I checked it out, bought it that day. And it, it looks like I've had it for 20 years because of how, how much it's been used. (laughs) (laughs) All right, my love, what book is next? And probably going to be our last one. Tell me about the next impactful book of yours. Well, it's, it's the book I'm currently reading and I mentioned it earlier. Um, it is Reflections on the Course in Miracles by Marianne Williamson. And again, a little bit of context, um, and I'll keep this relatively brief, but a little bit of context. The Course in Miracles is a collection of writings um, from, I believe, that, that, were, that were put together over like the 60s and 70s. I believe it was actually published in like the 70s. And it is these writings that were um, sourced from... Uh, this particular woman's interactions with 
Christ consciousness and the divinity within herself is essentially how it's explained. Um, so she basically channeled the divinity uh, within herself and the, that she could like tangibly interact with and kind of channeled through that into these these writings that is called the Course in Miracles. And it's a collection of different teachings and ideas all pertaining to God, love, um, salvation, forgiveness, the world, et cetera, et cetera. And then Marianne Williamson, who if you don't know who Marianne Williamson is, she's a, a now a public figure in kind of the self-help, um, personal development, spiritual space, just a, just a legend and absolute icon. She even ran for president. Um, back in the nineties, she put together this like reflections book, which is basically taking this very dense course in miracles work and collection of works and putting it into tangible bite-sized digestible words, uh, through this book, uh, reflections. And so I've been reading it. It's really, it's really, um, great. I would, I would explain it. So the course in miracles, uh, and this book, I'm just going to kind of combine them together for the purposes of explaining it, but it takes a lot of Eastern ideas, not unlike, you know, Aramaic or, um, ancient, like Buddhism or Taoism, these types of like Eastern ideas that have to do with spirituality and divinity and, uh, even, you know, self-help to some degree and enlightenment and puts them into terms, words, and phrases that are much more consistent with the Western understanding of God that we've been either given or learned about, uh, whether that be through Christianity, Mormonism, Catholicism, Judaism, um, and that's the God, the Father, and then some level of like in Christian, Mormon, and, and Catholicism, like Christ figure, the Son of God. And so how it explains it, is high level god is love love is the only thing there's these principles in the course of miracles and that's what i'm explaining love is god god is love that's it there's not one thing there's not one person it's love anything that is not love is not real it's an illusion um therefore anything that's not love or not real, um, is not God. And that's the basis of this entire work. Uh, so it's been really interesting to, to listen, uh, or to, to read through. Nothing is brand new for me, but it's a really great collection of a lot of different ideas put into very tangible, um, kind of like applicable metaphor and, uh, action steps. So a couple of the things that, that I would suggest, um, people, you know, walk into this, if they're going to, going to read it with an open kind of open mind on would be, this isn't like subject to any one religion at all. I think it would argue that you can actually take your various religions and apply them with this type of principle framework and have a pretty nice, um, like complementary type way to live your life. For me, the, the big takeaways that I've had have been, If it's not love, it's not real. It's an illusion. And so, man, that really helps me look around through life because there's so much not, there's so much lack of love. But that's a little more comforting if you can, if you can get around the idea that 
well, if it's not love, it's not real. So there's so much hatred going on currently. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's not real. It's an illusion. And if we focus on love, those types of things should go away. Like the more we foster love and create things of love, the less opportunity there is for these things of um, illusion. Now, those illusions can hurt and they yeah. can they can take on their own meaning and they can cause physical and spiritual and emotional trauma and issues um, that, that are not pleasant at all. But if we invest in love, there's literally less room for these things to exist in the in the 3D world. Um, a couple other things that have been been big takeaways for me would be um, this idea that everything is love. So it's not a humanist idea where where in Christianity, for instance, which is what we grew up in, is like the goal of Christianity is to save yourself and then save a bunch of other people by telling them about Jesus right? Like get as many motherfuckers into heaven as possible. <laughs> all right. Um, and that, that's like a lot of pressure and it's like kind of, it's kind of like you're guilt ridden all the time because you're not doing good things yourself, nor are you like helping anybody else out. And so you feel like you have to solve world hunger, you know, start a church, yeah. go on a mission trip just to be a good Christian. Right. Yeah. Well, this book would suggest that Everything that's real is love. Every plant is love. Every relationship is love. Your own world is love. And each one of us have this little corner of the universe that we can contribute to the collective love by literally doing things as simple as picking up trash, by turning your, you know, understanding that your home is in and of itself a place of love that is real and that you can contribute to it and you can show it love that is collectively lifting this entire thing um, closer and closer to quote unquote salvation. And that is really encouraging for me because I've often felt this kind of daunting um, feeling of, man, I'm not doing enough because I'm yeah. not helping poor, you know, really poor people or people in uh, illness or other, con- you know, all these like mission trips and yeah. these grand acts of. Um, service which are great but like we you and me and the general person can actually contribute to a similar love collective by just the little things that are in our corner of the universe so that's been a really great takeaway for me Um, the other one and there's nuggets throughout this whole thing it's much more of like a broken up in chapters where it can talk about forgiveness it could talk about um, god it can talk about hell or lack thereof and so it's much more like there's not this like formal um, progressive narrative. It's much more like here's a little bit at a time. And then uh, I think the last one I'll speak to, which is awesome, is this idea of judgment and how we perceive relationships um, in the current state of the world, which right now is to get something for ourselves out of the relationship. People often get married for the purposes of getting something out of the relationship. And the way that the the Course in Miracles and the Reflections would, would suggest you view relationships is, can we serve love collectively greater than I could on my own? Mm. One. Two, every relationship, every human interaction is a mirror for yourself. So what you judge in others is ultimately a reflection on some sort of lack 
within yourself and your own inability to love yourself mm. completely. So one of the things that, uh, and I, again, this thing is filled with different nuggets, but one of the ones that stood out to me the other night, and we, we mentioned it at dinner, uh, was a super simple phrase. And I've always known it to be true, but to be put this way, it was just like, oh my God, totally. And, and it reads this, getting angry at someone else might make us feel better for a while, but ultimately all the fear and guilt comes back at us. If we judge another person, then they'll judge us back. And even if they don't, we'll feel like they did. Oof. Yeah. And that to me is, we've all done this where out of our own insecurity or even out of our own, just going back to the default mode network, we're judging or pulling apart other people or nitpicking other people. And Mm -hmm. they may not ever have the chance to know that we're judging them. And so they may judge us back. Uh, it, or they may judge us back if they know that. And, and then we just begin this sort of like mutually dis, disliking uh, vibe or mm-hmm. relationship. But even if they don't and they never know that you're judging them, I think that on a like subconscious level, on a spiritual level, because you know you've damaged the collective, if we're all love and we're all in this together, you've damaged yourself in a particular way, you start to like disassociate yourself with that injury and by default, like dislike them as if they were actually judging you back. If that makes sense. Yeah. You almost like start to tell yourself a story to justify the fact that you've been an asshole, that they're kind of an asshole too. Yeah. I can think of like specific examples of Mm -hmm. this in my own life. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely not as frequent now but it still happens and sometimes it even happens in the in quote in the name of good or light or woke or whatever where it's like yeah that person's not as woke as me or whatever it is like even if you're even if it feels like it's justified Mm -hmm. it's so true you you just feel you feel that negativity coming back at you yeah in the simplest form it's like somebody in school or the workplace that makes you feel a particular way that you don't like. So you judge them and you, maybe you criticize the way they look or the way they act. And then that sort of like snowball effect of just feeling shitty about them continues. Yeah. But it can even happen as you begin to enlighten Mm -hmm. and you start to look at others like why are, why, why are they still behaving that way? Oh my God, I read all these books and I have this great relationship and I'm spiritually enlightened and um, I don't understand why they can't make those same types of progressions. Or somebody who's like, who's, you can tell is like spiritually evolved or like has grand ideas and they almost belittle other people for Mm -hmm. not, for not being there yet. Or they speak to them in a belittling or emasculating way where it's like, that's not the point. That's not the point of evolving is to, to make other people feel less than you. Like that's yep. not it. It's, yep. it's for unity. It's for oneness. It's for you and I are the same. Yep. And the, the course in miracles and, um, the reflections on the, on the course in miracles or which is actually called, the book's title is a return to love, which is reflections on the course in miracles, um, would suggest that by doing this, you're, immediately separating yourself from God, which is love. You're immediately separating yourself from yourself because you are God, you are love and you're separating yourself from that other individual because they are similarly you and love. Um, 
So this book, it, it's a lot to unpack. I would argue the Course in Miracles is even more to unpack. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you are someone who either uh, is religious um, and has some like very flexible open-mindedness when it comes to the kind of information that you want to put into your brain or you're someone who's not religious understands kind of the religious terms used and is much more open to like spirituality in general this is a great book Mm -hmm. if you're pretty hard set on um a specific kind of religion it may be a tough read without really opening up your mind um in fact even for myself it's, it's kind of funny i'm christian evangelical upbringing uh i'm not a christian but i'm brought up in that world i'm so triggered by the use of god and jesus and the son of god from my past that i have to really focus because the language used here is like god will do this but they're really speaking about love and they use they refer to god as him and um not unlike you would in christianity catholicism mormon judaism and I'm so triggered by that upbringing in the church that I have to reread it as if it's instead of love or instead of God saying love would do this um, just because I know that that's what it's speaking to. But they're trying for the purposes of speaking to the religious folks. They're trying to use that language of God and him and son of God uh, that it's almost for me. I have to like reread it a couple times just to make sure that I'm getting what it's saying and not being like, wait, well, what am I, what am I reading here? Is this, is this, christian dogma you know um, yeah but cool that's yeah. what i got i i'm i have not read that one yet but it's definitely on my list especially now seeing I, i've heard much of it from you sharing it with me but um i i love marianne williamson i've listened to a lot of her teachings and lectures and everything and i think that she man what a different world we would, we would well i don't know i don't i i i you know, I've thought about this, like she ran for the democratic nomination mm. and I don't think our world is ready for someone like her to be president. Honestly, um, I would have loved it, but as a whole, I don't think we are ready. Clearly. Here's the great thing. We know that doing things like expanding our minds and, and working on ourselves is going to be more of an impact than one person changing right. one seat. Yes. So, like that's what's encouraging to me. And that's what all these really, these books that we've talked about today are suggesting that listen, people, you have the power. You have light and goodness and some level of metaphysical power and divinity mm-hmm. within you um, to actually make changes. And yeah. you, you can dice it up whatever way you want. Mm-hmm. I think you could come at it from a scientific approach and know that there are these networks of cells and, uh, you know, biological behavior in your body that can actually change you to become a better contributing citizen to society. If you want to look at it that way, or you can look at it in the most freaking woo woo way possible (laughs) that you are channeling spirits and archetypes from a, you know, another dimensional realm that you can interact with and, and put forth light energy into the world and lift the collective you know, frequencies of these other light beings that you're all connected (laughs) with. You can look at this stuff however you want. I think it's all saying the same thing and don't get hung up on the language. You have the power to actually contribute to this world by drilling into yourself and not looking externally. Mm -hmm. 
I think it's a great day when one more person takes back their responsibility, their ownership, their own power to create change in their life, which then has a ripple effect. And um, I know that we've definitely taken that responsibility on and um, I'm, I'm so happy. I want that responsibility, mm-hmm. you know? Hell yeah. Mm. Read a book, people. Books are good. I have many leather-bound books. They're <laughs> <laughs> very important. What for you, my love, is the medicine for you today? Mm, the medicine for me today. I have a cool opportunity today. I love, I love the place that I work. Shout out Organifi. Uh, we're in the middle of our like annual performance reviews, so I get to meet with someone who is near and dear to my heart, and that is a girl who works for me at Organifi. We get to do our annual kind of performance review and check-in, and she is so awesome, and she's a badass, so I get to have some coffee with her today and have a little connection, uh, let her know how amazing and uh, how amazing she is and how grateful I am for her in my life, and uh, we get to talk about what's next for us at the company. So that is my medicine today in this world of Zoom meetings and, uh, you know, Slack or instant messaging for the workspace where we never get to see each other. I'm very excited to have some human interaction with my coworker. Love it. What for you, my beautiful love, (laughs) what is your medicine today? Oh, my medicine. After we stop recording here, I am going to take a long walk Mm. and in the sun, I can see it's a beautiful day. The sun is out. I, uh, like a block away from us, there's this kitty that comes out to greet me, literally runs, gallops from her little perch and comes to meet me on the sidewalk and we spend some time together. And then, you know, I walk another block and there's a couple real live bunnies that sit out in their little cage in the sun and you can go in and pet them and I get my little creature fix and I just freaking love it. Mm. So I'm going to go on a long walk, get some movement, get some sun, get some mitochondrial support from that vitamin D, get some creature love, uh, and then come back and uh, get to work. Mm. Yeah. Love that. Love you. Love you. I hope you guys enjoyed this. Let us know what you thought. If you want more ideas for books, we can definitely do this again. And um, I think this would be good to do at least once a year, but maybe a couple times a year as Chase and I are always putting our noses into new things, whether that's audiobooks or physical books, we want to share them with you. So send this to someone you love, someone who um, also loves books and needs maybe some new prompts. And let us know what you think. Let us know. Please let us know if you end up reading one of the books. You can always hit us up on Instagram. Chase is at the Chasen one. I am at Get Mimi Fit. So go spread some light. Take a nugget here and take it into your day. Go hug someone. Give someone a high five, a smile. Give a stranger a compliment. Do something nice for someone else today. All right. All right. I'll talk to you next time. Okay, bye. If you liked this episode, make sure you hit that subscribe button in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you prefer to listen. This will ensure that every episode drops into your library automatically. And if you have a recommendation for a podcast guest or topic, you can always email themedicinepodcast at gmail.com. Remember, there's no E at the end of medicine. And let us know your big idea. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, cheers, boo.